All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Episode of Nasty Knuckles. What's going on, Nast? Not much, Riggs. What's shaking, my man? Uh, you know, a little bit of yoga teacher training this weekend. I ended up missing my daughter's first ever hockey tournament for it. Dude. <laughs> Bust on that. Well, why didn't you just take a mat to the rink and do it right there in front of everyone? <laughs> Too many distractions, man. But uh, it was one of those oh things God. I had signed up for before the tournament was added to the calendar and uh it was a sacrifice i had to make but she oh. loved it it was a great experience but uh i, I heard she was it, she was on the sheet there with a couple couple uh knuckling it up a little bit she got hands she, like daddy she got hands <laughs> like daddy that's for sure <laughs> kenny how'd she do did she like it though she loves it yeah she definitely loves yeah. it. Uh, she just loves getting it out there and having fun with her friends so um, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's exercise. It keeps them engaged in the team. So it's been good so far. It's early. She's only been playing for three months or so. Put her in the, the learn to play program to the Flyers there in HO. And uh, she graduated through that. And all of a sudden, she's on a team playing half ice <laughs> hockey within the next uh, couple of weeks. So it's been fun so Just far. Could be back around the rink 
been good. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's awesome. She, I heard she just runs around like an absolute maniac. I love it. Oh yeah, she does. Yeah. When I first started giving her a little advice about, uh, you know, trying to knock people off the puck, she started blowing up her own teammates. So <laughs> she <laughs> floating around and just blowing, blowing kids up. I'm like, Ken's, I'm like, you gotta, you gotta hit the other team, not your own teammates. So she's, she's getting the hang of it now. And, uh, it's fun to watch, you know, just like anything else, like you just like get the reps and get the reps and every time she's out there, she gets better, but, uh, it's fun to watch. We're going to get, get me back to the rink and, uh, you know, engage back in the, in the community of hockey. So it's been fun. Yeah. Uh, at Elvis's games, I swear I see more big hits, unintentional. <laughs> oh, yeah, unintentional. But these kids, they just have their heads down and they're just going 100 mile an hour and did boom, oh, like yeah. ow. And somehow they're not getting conkies. I don't, I don't know what's oh. going on, but but it's crazy the the amount of uh, contact that, that that's accidental for real. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that's awesome. Uh, it sucks you missed her first, but there'll be plenty more to go yeah, to. Exactly. That's for sure. Yeah, I uh, I was in uh, Arizona this past oh, week, baby, for a golf thing. Yeah, and I was so excited to get out of this weather, and I get on a plane with my buddy Grant Garcia. Uh, he was the one that took me. It was uh, something for J- uh, Jeremy Ronick. It's this group of people uh, that uh, they have this whole golf community, and they go all over the place. And uh, Jr. was unfortunately not able to be there. Uh, his, his, his dad passed away. So, um, we missed Jr. But anyway, uh, I was so excited to go getting some sun, get there 55 degrees. Oh, of course. Right. That would happen. No, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It actually got up to 62, which did feel when you're out in the sun, like it was a bit warmer, but, uh, anyway, a great weekend, man. Got to play, uh, four rounds of golf and, uh, had a little bit of fun in Scottsdale. So, yeah. um, that was yeah that was that good stuff so uh yeah man it was it was fun it was fun um let's talk a little bit about hockey here boys uh fly boys back back on uh on a little <laughs> bit of a roll track. here yeah, right? <laughs> we, we, we screwed them up here. the first time <laughs> i know yeah they're back they're back on track i think i still think they can play better um especially a couple of those games where they're, they're struggling to uh, generate offense, but uh, they're finding ways to win. Obviously, the goaltending is uh, has been key there. We're going to pull out a couple of those wins, but um, nonetheless, uh, um, you know, back to where they they say they should be. You know, back at the top of the division there, and uh, a little shakeup too. I mean, it's, yeah. having to sit uh, Konechny, I'm sure they don't want to do that. But I think I read he had you know one shot in three games, and obviously he's a He's a feisty guy. He should be putting up, uh, you know, more offensive chances than that. So, you know, that stuff happens, right? You're a young guy and message sending, right? I mean, it's early in the season. We gotta, gotta get him going. You know, he's a huge part of the team. So, I think it was a, I think it was a good move. Uh, every player should have that happen to them at some point. You know, I, I certainly don't think yeah. it was uh, uh, unnecessary. I think it was uh, the right move. Yeah, he um, TK is a pro. He gets it. Um, you know, I, I'm sure he didn't hang his head or have the lip going. He just probably worked his ass off knowing him. And that that's just part of the way he plays. Like you said, he is a very, very feisty guy. And um, he definitely can bring more uh, to the lineup. I mean, he even brings – he's not a big guy, as you know, but he sure as hell brings some physical physicality to the game. Um, at a – you know, not he is obviously not a big body, but he can shoot, he can skate, he plays physical – 
he gets his nose in there, gets dirty a little bit, causes some shit, which I, I love about him. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I bet you he starts lighting it up here um, with that happening. No one wants that to happen. Obviously, Riles, you played, you know, I, I, I've seen so many guys get scratched. They're, you know, it's not fun. It's not what you want to play. You're a player. So hopefully uh, that's uh, AV made the right move there and, and uh, TK gets it going a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Normally guys respond very well to that, right? Like say most guys are pros with it. They understand why got to learn from it. And then the only thing you can really do is come back stronger. Right. I mean, the worst thing you could do is have that you know, pouty lip and come back with an attitude. You're not going to last very long. So knowing TK, you know, him better than I do, but uh, I expect nothing but piss and vinegar, you know, moving forward and that probably will never happen again. But uh, other guys have stepped up, right? I mean, you got JVR stepping up, you know, Faraby stepping up, uh, you know, lots stepping up. Yeah. Uh, um, and then obviously the, the, the combo of goaltending, you know, having Moose come back in there and, and, and win games is, is huge. So, Finding ways to win. I think at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, patching holes, uh, guys stepping in and, and, and doing doing a good job. So, I mean, I think the Flyers are going to be this competitive, if not be- even more competitive going forward. You know, I think the, they still, I don't think they still really found their, you know, full on, um, you know, a- a vibe yet. You know, I think they're right. a, little bit in, in, a little bit inconsistent yet, but. But nonetheless, to be at the top of the division, being inconsistent and, you know, having a couple of holes here and there uh, is is, uh, is certainly a, a good sign. So, yeah, I mean, to me, you know, you're seven, two and one, uh, not playing as well as we know they can. But like you said, the biggest things you find in ways to win. And that's what good teams do. And that's what championship teams do. You're not always going to have a perfect game. We know that. But right now you got 79 back there. And you got, you know, and you got L's back there, right. both, like you said, uh, Moose just, we've talked about him, you know, we've said it plenty of times. This guy's a true professional. He's a good goaltender. Um, can't count on him anytime you put him in, you know, and, and uh, Carter, if you want to say he had a tough game in the one in Boston, you know, he sure did bounce back. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, he's won his last three. And, and uh, like I said, the team, team, once they do get that vibe going, they're going to be a tough team to beat. They're a tough team to beat now. Look at them. They're seven, two and one. They're not even playing as well. And you're missing Sean Couturier, yeah. which you kind of forget about because uh, it's been a couple of weeks. So you, you, you know, you still, you pick it up coots in a few weeks here and uh, I think they're only going to get better. Yeah, that's the truth. Looking forward to seeing uh, where they can take this thing. Cause they top the bottom, in my opinion, they got a really, really solid team. And as soon as they find that, stride and, and and continue to to build that chemistry i mean who knows where they can take this thing so uh awesome to see right. for sure may as well get right into this interview nast what do you think all right man yes let's get into this awesome guest mike richards which is brought to you by DraftKings. the 55th big game is this weekend 55 a game this big deserves a big prize not just some trophy to finish off the football season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new customers a no-brainer of an offer. To celebrate football's finale, DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game. That's right. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored Sunday night, and boom, your money is doubled. Sounds like a no-brainer to me, Riggs. 
As if this game wasn't enough reason to party, with double the cash, you'll be celebrating the next season. Don't forget about DraftKings' big game prediction challenge with up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs and instant prizes for everyone who enters the contest. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to the players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KNUCKLES to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored on Sunday's game. That's promo code KNUCKLES for new customers to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night's season finale. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. See DraftKings.com slash predictions dash challenge dash DFS for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Nasty Knuckles. I'm Riley Cote. I'm Derek Settlemeyer, and we are so happy and pleased to have Probably one of my, well, definitely my favorite player ever uh, that I was able to work with. I could sit here for two minutes and tell you guys all the accomplishments. I'll just say this. This guy did it all. He won it all. Rick Bone, Mike Richards. Welcome to the show, brother. What's up, boys? Good to be here. Big fan of the show. Awesome. Listen to everyone so far. Yeah. Beautiful. I appreciate Thanks, you man. hopping on. Wish we could have you in person. Probably be a little... Yeah. Uh, a little sweeter, but this is a uh, second best. So I appreciate you carving out the time. Yeah, no problem. I got to check out the, the garage there. Nasty's a uh, little workshop there. At some point. So <laughs> it is a workshop. I'll hop on another point. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to do your goalie skates for you, man. You got to send me the steel in. Yeah. Yeah. I actually need new gears. So <laughs> there we go. I, I I'll order it through the, yeah, no, it's all good, but yeah. Pumped to be here guys. Awesome, man. We're so happy to have you, brother. Basically, Rick Bone, growing up in Kenora, um, playing your, you know, hockey as a kid. How what did you do? Uh, because obviously is not a huge. I know you're close to Winnipeg. How did how did you uh, start getting noticed once you got to be, you know, a little older, 11, 12, 13, when 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 uh, scouts or or junior teams start to uh look for kids? I don't know how how early they start, it's no telling, yeah. but uh you know, just growing up in Kenora there, I was fortunate enough. You invited me there one time and, uh, and I enjoyed the hell out of myself. Um, one of your cup parties, but anyway, like how, how did that happen for you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was later than that, to be honest. Like I know in Toronto, a lot more people, um, get noticed a little bit earlier and there's eyes on them a little bit earlier. But for me up North, nobody really saw who I was until I was, I think my draft year in the OHL and I went down to some prospect camps in Toronto before the OHL draft. And um, that was really the place. And I actually got drafted really high into the O I think through that, but other than really right before my draft year, um, scouts started coming a little bit, um, a little bit more near the end of the year, just because obviously you hear some chatter, and then that prospects camp and that was really the only time I think that uh, I even thought about going to play in the O to be honest it was always just playing hockey growing up and um, once I started hearing a little bit of the talk throughout that year then you, you kind of set your your goals a little higher but 
to be honest, right until that point, I was just playing hockey to play hockey. I wasn't uh, really hoping to make it to the OHL, let alone the NHL. There's always dreams, but you never really think that they're that realistic until uh, I think it was that year that I really started thinking about it. Wow. That's, a, that's actually amazing. I did not know that. And, uh, you know, being so close to Winnipeg, I guess uh, the Western Hockey League was out of, uh, out of range, right? I mean, you're in, in Kenora, you had to stay in Ontario. So for you to go to Toronto probably made the most sense yeah. to get them, the visibility on you. Uh, yeah. So we, just a quick story on that. We played out of the Manitoba Junior League or Manitoba Midget League. That's and right. Yeah. North So yeah. So we always went right. out West and there was a scout, I think it was either Kamloops or Kootenai that was actually trying to convince me not to go to the OHL and to wait until I was 18. Cause I had to wait until I was 18 to go out West. Oh, so geez. the scout was trying to convince me to wait until I was 18 years old so I could play closer to home. But um, obviously didn't end up doing that. I just, <laughs> at the time I was like, Oh yeah, playing in Brandon, that'd be sweet four hours from home. And then right. I just, once you get to the O, you realize how short the bus rides are. And then hearing about the Western League bus rides, I was happy yeah. that I went to the OHL. Yeah, I think you made the right decision. And plus, uh, playing yeah. in London, I think the bus trips are the the longest. You know, the worst. Maybe besides yeah. Prince George or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I, we had it pretty good in Kitchener, I think. Or our longest was to Sault Ste. Marie, which is like six or eight hours or something. But we were like 20 minutes every which way. So yeah. we're happy that we didn't have to sit on those buses for that long that you yeah. guys did in the dub. Yeah, you had it made then. Yeah. Uh, so take me through, like you get drafted to the O. And then is it like immediately in that moment, do you realize that there's something there for you to grab a hold of? Like, you know, this is like, this is my dream now, or, or like, how does that work for you? Because you mean, you're, you seem like such yeah. a dialed in guy and, you know, to, to play the way you played, you know, it's, I feel like that's coming from like deep within your, you know, the spirit of, of your being, you know, like where, where does that come? Yeah. yeah. It was actually funny when I got drafted, I was, we had the under 17, um, like regional camp it was like Thunder Bay Kenora and everybody in that little area on draft day and it was the first year that they did the draft over the internet so I was actually on the ice when I got drafted to the OHL and I just remember getting off the ice from like a practice session or whatever and my mom grabbed me and I just saw the look on her face and I was like oh I went like she's like oh you got drafted and I was like okay that's great like to who and then she said Kitchener and she's like, guess where you went? I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. She's like, you went fourth overall. So it was like wow. the biggest surprise. I think probably her more for me just because my agent kind of told me a little bit beforehand, but I still never really believed it. And then like just the look on her face, I still remember it to this day. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That is amazing. So in that moment, she tells you fourth overall. And then it was like, is it that in that moment that you start believing in yourself more than you already did that like, this is like something I could pursue and be, be really good at or. Yeah. Well, another, so a lot of people in the Toronto area, like um, Kitchener's obviously kind of in that little area. And so this guy who, drafted me his name is Jamie McDonald and I had a little bit of communications with him before and then obviously some after and my mom made the mistake of going on to like message boards 
and like reading what they were saying and everything. And obviously nobody in Toronto or that area heard of me. Um, so she, there was obviously not the greatest thing said because it is a message board. Right. And the guy who drafted me, Jamie McDonald, ended up getting fired like two weeks later. Uh, so because he, it, because he chose you? No, I don't think it was because oh, of that. Oh, but like, obviously all my friends are like, oh, well, <laughs> the guy got fired because he drafted you, uh, which obviously wasn't the case, but it was still pretty funny. And then Pete <laughs> Moore came in, but um, oh, yeah, he, it's he just funny. It. And I still actually every once in a while we'll get an email from Jamie, but I, every time I see his name pop up, I always think I'm like, Oh, he got fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yeah. DeBoer always, uh, I heard from other uh, trainers. I don't, I don't know him, but I, I know he really thought a lot of you uh, from, from other where he's coached in San Jose my buddies there, uh, Mikey Aldridge. And he said that he absolutely just loved Richie, which obviously I, I don't know how anybody couldn't, but I thought that yeah. was kind of cool. And you guys, you know, 2003, I think it was, you, you win the Memorial Cup. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, won the OHL, uh, beat Ottawa, and then we went to Quebec City to win the Memorial oh. Cup, which was pretty awesome. Quebec City is a pretty awesome, yeah. awesome place. Um, but yeah, Pete, Pete was awesome to me. Like he, I just remember him walking in that first like meeting with the team and Kitchener didn't have great success before I was there and which is their, why they were drafting fourth overall. But, um, and I was just like, so happy to be there. So like just on cloud nine and he walked in and he just put his like foot down. He's like, it's unacceptable that we missed the playoffs. It's unacceptable for this. And I was just like deer in the headlights after that, but um, he was awesome. He, he ran things like it was a professional team and that's what he always preached. And Steve spot, who is his assistant coach and who is there in San Jose. And um, I believe he's with him in Vegas now. And um just those two together it was just like yin and yang one guy was hard spotter was always the guy to lighten the mood and um it, it just a good chemistry and he always treated me well and even when I got drafted um we played against him in the finals and you know when like you're young and you meet somebody and he just seems like this big kind of you know like an older brother type person but he was just like that like big guy who I was always a little bit scared of and I saw him before the finals the one year and for whatever reason it's a little like not nervous to talk to him but he was always just you know that guy who introduced me to junior hockey when I was 16 so we were talking and I'm like oh good luck good luck in the finals and then I walked away from that I'm like good luck I'm like that means he's gonna win and I'm gonna lose (laughs) I I like thought about it right after I'm like no not good luck not good luck (laughs) no but he, he always treated me well for a long story short he always treated me well and really set me up for pro hockey and to have success once I got there. Nice. And would you say that, you know, he you mentioned him like being like a pro and coaching the team, like a, a professional hockey team. Like, like I always look at you as like an ultimate leader and you know, that, that, that character guy, like, was that already in you? I mean, it had to have been already in you to some of the capacity, but you know, did that coaching philosophy and having a guy like that, 
help you build that yeah. more? Yeah, I think so. I, I think just in general, every kind of step that you go, um, you pick up things along the way, whether it's midget hockey, your coach is there to junior hockey and still in the NHL. I'm sure if you talk to guys like Sidney Crosby, when he plays with a guy like Patrick Marlowe a few years ago, I'm sure he's still learning some things too. So um, for me, it was always just like, um, picking different things from different people growing up until I pretty much finished. And one of the best things that Steve Splott told me, the assistant coach in Kitchener, he always said, make sure to do something positive every single night. And that is something that like stuck with me from the day he told me until I stopped playing hockey, whether it's like, um, you know, killing a penalty, blocking a shot. It's just like one thing per game that make yourself or do something in a positive one thing every single game. And um, just like small things like that along the way, you just pick things up and and that was one of them. Yeah. And that's important, uh, important advice. And then and to your earlier point of like being a student, right? It sounds like yeah. you had the right attitude always. You, you never know it all. You're always learning until you're retired. You know, that's, that's important because I know a lot of, especially younger guys, I think they, they know it all, right? I mean, they're drafted yeah. up and this and that, and then they don't have that right attitude of always learning from your teammates, your coaches, the, the situation itself, which is an important yeah. lesson. Well, exactly. And especially like if you look around the league, at, you know, Joe Thornton is playing with Toronto now, but how many years he's played in the league, but then you have John Tavares, who's been in the league for so long, and then you have Jumbo coming in, I'm sure. Right. Tavares is picking things up from Jumbo. So there's always things that you can learn. And I think that was like the best part about getting older guys into the dressing room is there's always something that you can learn. And if you're a younger guy and you come in and you think that you kind of have the world on your shoulders and you don't need to learn anymore, I think you're just doing yourself a a disservice not to learn from people. Yeah. It's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So, Richie, um, you went, you probably won every year in your midget and all that stuff, knowing you. I don't know that. But you went to Memorial Cup. Next thing you know, 2005, you went to a world championship with Team Canada. And God, we, Riley and I were talking earlier about the team you guys have. Wow. I mean, God, uh, was it Crosby, Bergeron, uh, Perry, Dalsey? Uh, yeah. I got to know a little bit with you uh, through you, yeah. um, Stewie, big stew balls. Yeah. Is there uh lad Gatslav, God, MacArthur. I mean, for enough, yeah. Yeah. so many guys, I'm forgetting Seabrook. I think I'm forgetting yeah. some of the boys, but yeah. holy shit. Did you guys have a chance to lose a game? <laughs> My God, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's crazy because like the year before we played, we lost against the Americans in Finland Blue. and then we came back. Yeah. We were up three, one in the third. Thanks for bringing it up. But um, <laughs> you paid that, me back in 2010, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but even now, like every year you watch the world juniors and they always 
um, put that team up. It's always talked about at some point. And just to see the names on that, it was pretty crazy. And then to have everybody back from the following year, from the year that we lost, we were that much driven. And one of the guys that actually wasn't on that team was Patrice Bergeron. And he was playing, you know, the year before he got drafted or he wasn't on the team. Then he got drafted from Boston to Boston. And then he ended up coming back and playing with us that year. So that that team was insane Um, to look back now. Yeah, we probably didn't have much of a chance, but (laughs) Brent Sutter was our coach and, you know, I've known a few Sutters and they would never, ever let us get a little complacent. <laughs> so he was on us for the last, uh, last minute, but um, it, it was pretty, pretty remarkable to see that team and to see how well everybody's done. I'm um, not sure if you watched this year's, but uh, Team Canada this year, 19 first round draft picks. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? But I mean, the good guys won in the end, yeah. as, as you, you know, know pretty yeah, dominating you know performance. I watched, I watched that. And if you look at like the American team, like they didn't have obviously as many first rounders, but they had like some like gritty guys and guys that would like, what's the, I don't know, like sandpaper guys, you know, guys that like got in there a little bit more. And in that first period, like they were just everywhere. And sometimes, you know, you could have a little bit too many cooks in the kitchen when you have 19 first round picks and, Obviously, if, uh, you know, it's a one-game sample size, so obviously you're not going to turn down first rounders. Like, every single player on that team had so much skill that pretty much before that one game, they weren't really tested, but the Americans were good. After that first period, I, like, I was nervous. I said to my (laughs) wife, I'm like, I don't think this is going to go very well, but um, those kids now just to watch that tournament and just see how skilled they are is remarkable. Like every single player, their hands and vision and speed is like just unbelievable. That Zegris kid, the cousin's kid from Canada. um, There's probably five or six of them that I was just in awe watching of how great of players they are already. And which which is pretty cool. Yeah, if it, you know, I hate to say it because obviously I'm an American and I'm yeah. so happy it was a one game uh, yeah. thing. But it, it, if you go even best of five, that it may go another way. Definitely yeah. best of seven. I mean, you never know, but yeah, uh, you never know. I honestly, I was, I was, I didn't watch one American game before that. Um, and that first period, like they were flying and yeah. like they had a really good team. Like I said, they had like guys that had a little bit, you know, get in on the four checks and a little bit like rougher on the edges guys. And, yeah. you know, you need that on, on, on hockey teams. You can't have just full skills. So I don't know, five games, it may go the other way, but it may not. They, they had a good team. The importance so, is sandpaper, eh? The grit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the grit, that's, yeah. Grit is actually the word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's so true though it's a, it's a really good point you know i think yeah. if they've gone to five or seven games they would have to change their game somewhat you know i mean maybe like a little bit more defined roles because the fourth line maybe can't be that skilled and just gotta get a little greasier but yeah you know what i was actually asked that after the tournament you know you're just sitting around or people see me back home and always ask like how come 
Canada always has a tough time with the Americans. And it may be because, and this isn't like a chirp against American hockey, but Canadian hockey just has a lot more of like the, the first rounders, the top notch guys where Americans, you know, they have two lines and then they have to get a little bit of the grittier guys in the second or the third and fourth line. And, and that's a hockey team. And when you play against another North American team and you need to have that gritty, you know, four check style game and maybe the difference. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. So evolving out of, uh, um, the world juniors there, I think it lands up being the same year that you land up joining the Phantoms in 0405 Calder Cup. I think second round you joined, landed up finishing just over a point a game. But uh, talk about your experience coming to Philly. You obviously, already been drafted, um, coming to the Phantoms and then joining uh, a team that was, you know, already doing very well. But then, you know, obviously yeah. adding adding that extra juice to the, to the lineup. Yeah, that was... Um... It was pretty nerve-wracking, actually. I knew a lot of the guys the year before I had a concussion, so I didn't play with you guys like Cartsy did, but I literally just like hung out at the rink. Yeah, like, I couldn't right. do anything when I was in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, so I got to know a bunch of the guys, and then obviously with training camp, you know a lot of the guys too. So you knew a lot of people, but it's still awkward coming in to the second round of the playoffs when everybody's been together all year. Trust me, we were, we were excited. <laughs> we were excited. We, we knew who was coming. Yeah. But at some point, yeah, at some point though, you are taking somebody's job. So it's, it is a little awkward. Um, there were some guys that probably weren't overly thrilled about <laughs> it, but at the same time, everybody was, was great to me. And um really welcomed me and, and we're just there to win. So that, that was pretty cool. And, and we had a good time. I mean, playoff hockey is so much fun to play in that nobody really cares what's going on or most people don't care what's going on with numbers or, or what's going on with stats or, or whatever it is that they just want to win. And they, that was, a, that was a pretty awesome team to be a part of. Yeah. I mean, and that, that, that was the year, I, I mean, arguably had to be the best teams from, from every team that yeah. you could put together because of the lockout. I mean, there were pros that had already been playing in the NHL, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was a great league. It was, it was a great league that year. It was all the games. I mean, all the teams were, were, were pretty damn good. And like yeah. you said, we yeah. had a hell of a team and then, you know, add you and Jeff was, was unreal. Yeah. And there was guys too, that did what, Jeff and I did too was come up and join their teams too. So I think that made it a little bit easier too, where you kind of knew who you're playing with it, looking across the ice too. So um, it wasn't like a huge task of going from like junior hockey to the pros. It was your, you saw some familiar faces on the other side. So I think that made it easier too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, <clears throat> our, not only did we have the skill with all you guys, but we had a, we had a couple guys that like to chuck the knucks a little bit. We, we talked about a few of them before Riley and I, Riley obviously being one We Josh Gratton, Divot, Ben eager, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I miss so Friggy. Friggy was Friggy, on the team. Van der Mirror. I mean, there, yeah. there were, you, you had to line up and I don't think many people really wanted to yeah. <laughs> against our team. 
still to this day, I think the best fight that I've seen in person was, was it McGratton and Gratz in the finals? Or I think it was uh, Cole Knorr in Providence, right in front of the bench. Providence was one, and he fought, oh man, he fought somebody in the finals. Oh, the, oh um, uh, Guillaume Lefebvre, when, when, he, when, he, when he buckled them in Chicago. Yeah, they, like, I just remember Gratz being like in the bathroom, like throwing up after, like in between periods, because he just literally went toe to toe with this guy for it had to have been a minute 30. And oh. typical Gratz fight where he was just like, right punch each other in the face until somebody <laughs> like says oh, quit yeah. which none of them usually did but uh, yeah and, i just remember that fight and i was just like holy smokes <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you ask gratz oh did he get you a couple of no and not a mark on his damn face mm-hmm. eh? oh no no not <laughs> how does that happen yeah he had more marks on his knuckles than he did on his <laughs> <Yeah>. face <laughs> I think the one but, time I've seen him actually cut, he didn't bleed. It was like a small, like mini prep. Yeah. I will say this. I'll, I'll never forget when we were, uh, we were playing uh, Scranton and they were a big rival uh, for, for the Phantoms, them and yeah. Hershey. I know you never really had to deal with that, but <clears throat> coming into the playoffs, you, you saw a bit of it and we were down in the game. And I think the series was, had they made it three, two Riles? I can't remember if it was a three, one or three, two. And I'll never forget Witter, my buddy, uh, Ryan Whitney saying, he said in the paper, he didn't say it to me because I didn't know him at the time. We're like the Red Sox were coming back and they were up in the third three, one, four, one. And I remember Riley and Josh's line went out there, got a big goal. And then Johnny kind of double shifted them. Next thing you know, these guys are, you know, Riles and those guys are dumping in the corner and, and no one wanted to go get it. We ended up coming back and, we ended up winning by two or three goals that game. Yeah, it was like 7-4. I mean, it, or I mean like it ended up being, yeah, I mean, and, you know, it talks a little bit about having that grit you were you were talking about, Richie, and, yeah. and obviously these guys are a little bit more than gritty. But yeah, they, they, they could play the game as well. I mean, I remember Gratz scoring that big goal, and, I mean, yeah. all of them running around. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, know, I, I, I know I wouldn't want to be receiving one of those hits. No, and it was good um, for, like, guys like Hartsey and I to come up there and, and play and just get them thrown in. And then if anything happened, I just remember, like, Riles, Gratz, like, Vandermeer would be coming over. Or not Vandermeer. Anyways, it was just, like, everybody was just – like right around you and you're like oh feeling pretty tough right now but (laughs) this made us feeling like comfortable too of you know like we're not gonna have to worry about anything like you know everybody's got our back sort of thing here yeah yeah it was a lot of fun you know it was probably a perfect blend of uh you know skill and and toughness obviously you're never gonna see a team like that in in hockey ever again but um, you know, I think a lot of the guys on the team that year had never really had a full stint in the NHL. I mean, a couple of them, I think Yoni Pickin and maybe played a full year. Dennis Seidenberg, yeah. maybe a couple of cups of yeah, a couple of cups of coffee for a couple others. But you know, for a lot of these guys to go on and have like significant NHL careers, um, you know, was was pretty impressive. Uh, considering that, I don't think anybody in our team finished top twenty in scoring throughout the regular season. So uh, it was a pretty interesting, yeah. uh, pretty interesting group for sure. 
to, to talk yeah. about. Uh, and just a bunch of good guys too. Yeah, 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 great guys. It was a great group. Oh, of it's a fun, man. That was yeah. the one thing I remember most about the team was how tight the team was and it just like a good group of guys from, from goaltending all the way out. And then I thought Johnny and Chief were, you know, great coaches and just, the, I don't know, there was just some really good chemistry uh, going on in that yeah. team. The fact that earlier in the season we went 17 games in a row, uh, you know, without yeah. losing, which, you know, that doesn't happen very okay. often, something like that. So. You can only do that if you're pulling together and pulling in the right direction. So it was a interesting, uh, interesting experience, you know, for sure. Probably the best overall team that I'd been a part of, team-wise, you know, hockey-wise as well as character-wise. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. N- Nitty Ontario Ninamaki wasn't bad either in the, yeah, in the right. playoffs. Pretty good. Yeah, I know, exactly. I, I remember. Uh, I'll get off this in a second, but I, I remember game one. Us going into Chicago there. Uh, and uh, we came out of the period zero zero, and I'll never forget Ben Stafford, old Ducky. Oh, I love that guy. Um, he came out. I think I was sharpening his skate, and he came out and he goes, "Holy fuck!" He goes, "How many three, uh, two or three on ones did they have that period? Like five? And I was like, "I think you're right, man." He goes, "Oh boy." <laughs> and then we end up well. Obviously, we end up winning both games there because we we swept the series, but. Uh, I mean, that, that team was good. You can't like take anything away from the Chicago. I mean, they had, they had a really good team as well, yeah. but uh, it, it was, that was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun being around you guys. And uh, you guys were a, a tight net group for sure. Yeah. To talk about, uh, you know, moving on with the flyers and then your time in Philly uh, as a flyer and then eventually being the captain of the flyers. I mean, you know, it's a unique city, obviously they're hard on their players um, you know, win, lose, or draw, they're expecting just, you know, some grunt work and, you know, honest effort. Like, just talk about your time in Philly as a player and and, and, and as a, just as a flyer. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. I loved it in Philly. I uh, always look forward to getting back to the season. We had good teams, really, other than the second year. We the second year Tough we were team. terrible. <laughs> Worst year in Flyers history to be back. Year forty. Terrible. Yeah, we were out of it by like American Thanksgiving. It was not like, going well. But other than that year, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even like how crazy it is that we were that bad a second year. And then the, the next year, we lost out to Pitt. I in the think. final, in his conference, conference final. final. Yeah, yeah, like what a, the turnaround but with Hartsey, Chemo, Danny, like a bunch of guys coming in. But Jason um, Smith, Jason Smith, Gator, yeah, Hatch, yeah. I mean, yeah, like it was it was insane how quick of a turnaround that was. But yeah, um, yeah it was always good. The Flyers, you know, I got nothing bad to say about them ever like mr schneider was incredible to me um just the fact of getting to know him a little bit and just how awesome of a person he was he'd go to offer tickets to the 76ers games and, and that was so much fun going there with him um and then just the the crowds there obviously were like a saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon against either the Rangers or Pitt um, when they sung God Bless America, like that would just, man, make the hair on your neck stand oh, right. up every time. 
Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Even to this day, anytime I hear that song, it's literally, I still get goosebumps just from, from hearing that. So yeah, it was fun. We had a, we had a, a bunch of good teams still probably one of the biggest disappointments of my career was losing to Chicago in the finals that year. And, uh, I still think if Ray Emery was, didn't get hurt that year, the late great, um, I think we still would have, I think we would have won the cup that year, but it is what it is. It was pretty cool experience to to see how, how amazing that city was. And, um how much they were behind us yeah i, I mean when you when uh your first year your rookie year um we were there with hitch for a season and about nine games because that yeah. next season was with me um but i know like i remember you telling me before like how big of a forsberg fan you were oh yeah uh, coming in and seeing him and like going on the ice with him i mean i i know when I was finally up there and I, I had watched him every day, you're just like, this guy's like, I can't play my feet, my feet. And you're watching him. You're going, dude, there's no one near you on the ice. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as good as you are in the plays you're making. And, you know, he's like, ah, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, him <laughs> at 70% was like, yeah, like, anyone would want to be 70% of Peter Forsberg, you know? I've told a story a thousand times probably, but uh, my best Peter Forsberg story is, when we went out in Boston, we, there's probably six or seven of us that were injured and there was a one o'clock game the next day. And we all went out, we were out till whenever, 3 AM. And we were all just gooned, but <laughs> we had to get up 6 AM. And I think it was chief actually, that was bag skating us. I think it was anyways, it might've been Johnny, but we were just getting absolutely bag skated and, Peter was out and he finished about three down and backs and he went and sat on the bench and he's just looks at, I guess we went and talked to Jimmy after, and I guess Peter got off the ice and was like, you know, if I can do this, I can play in a game. So we got undressed. He went out that afternoon. He got a hat trick, and that's all. That's how she goes. If I can beg skate, I can play. Get off the ice three goals later. Thanks for coming. uh, Exactly. I I remember us, um, Richie, being in uh, the year we were really, really bad, and, and, you know, Fopuk was having issues with his feet and everything, and and, uh, I think it's growing as well, to be honest. But uh, – Homer and them were like, we really need you to play. Like we are the worst team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like right around December. Cause it was that Western trip we used to take. Yeah. To which probably didn't help him. Probably him. not. <laughs> so I'll never forget. He goes out in the morning skate with you guys. And uh, you know, he, he looks great, but you know him, yeah. he's like in his mind, if I'm not a hundred, you know, a hundred percent or whatever. So he comes in and Homer, I never forget uh, Paul Holmgren talking to him. And then so Fulb was like, all right, I'll play first period he had like two goals and two assists in the first 10 minutes and everyone's just like look at each other when he you fucking serious man <laughs> like yeah dude, <laughs> he was day, just so good man yeah to this day i still think the best hockey i've been on a team with and seen one person dominate a game was him in that series against buffalo it was my first year we played buffalo we lost in six games right but it should it should have went four uh, yeah. we got down two nothing in Buffalo and those two games that he played in Philly 
were the best hockey by one player I have ever seen. He was insane. And we ended up losing in six, but we were, we shouldn't even have been in literally the same rank as those guys. But yeah, he was pretty awesome. And I was, when Philly signed him, I was at, I was playing softball actually. And it like, um, got a little text on my phone or a call and I remember for like the next week I was like a 10 year old kid just getting (laughs) to play with Peter and then the first time seeing him I was in the gym and he walked in and he just had this like aura about him (laughs) where you know like he's just got that long hair and he's he was the nicest guy um, to play with and he was just all about the team it was it really was a shame that he had those feet problems because he was um, just an absolutely insane hockey player, and I loved watching him. He was, and you're right. Like, what a good man, too. Like, just a yeah. great, just a great guy, man. Like, yeah. I love, I love getting to see him when he yeah. when he comes to town. And it didn't matter what, like, what he was doing, he would invite like everybody to do it. Yep. Like in LA, the one time when we, he it was like the Victoria's Secret like fashion show, like after party. And I'm, was, I'm not going to that. No. Yeah. <laughs> and he was going, but <laughs> he was like asking around of like, who wants to go? And this, like as a ticket, it's probably like the hardest thing in the world to come by. Right. And he's just like, Oh, I'm going here after anybody want to come. And obviously everybody's like, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, I'll go. But just like, just like small <laughs> things like that, where like, it didn't matter what he was going to out in New York with whoever he always asked, you know, tons of people didn't matter. He was, he was a class act and definitely one of my favorite teammates. Yeah. Uh, Richie, like to me, you were, you were, uh, I mean, the perfect captain in my, in my eyes. I know Riles, we've, we've talked about this before, like maybe not the loudest, you know, losing your shit in the locker room, which I think actually is a good thing. So you're, yeah. cause you're calm, but, uh, no one could argue the way you played the game on the ice. Uh, I mean, you're a captain, man, no matter what, what you want to say, you're one of the greatest captains uh, I've been around and, you know, pretty young when you get named a captain and in Philadelphia, it's, it's a, uh, it's a tough city. Like we just talked about, but you know, what, what were your thoughts about it? Like, I, yeah. Uh, I remember being a little bit nervous about it. I do remember um, like Homer and, Johnny and I all had a meeting and I remember saying like, if this is your, like, if this is what is what you want right now, then, then I'll be the captain. But if it's like something that like you're giving it to me now because you have no one else, or if you're giving it to me now, because you think in a few years, excuse me, um, I'm going to be the captain. Like if it's now what you want, then, obviously I'm going to accept and I'll do the best job I can. And they were both like extremely like dead set that like, this is what they wanted now. And that gave me a lot of confidence um, to accept it and take it. And um, I think that from that point on, it, it just gave me a lot of confidence that what I was doing was fine and I didn't have to change anything or and then, um, like I said before, you kind of just like pick things up. The year before, Jason Smith 
was our captain and like he was to me what a captain should be stuck up for his teammates he never complained about anything um he just kind of went about his business and, and that's kind of what i tried to do too yeah and you did that and you did that very well i mean it's like in your blood i was going to ask you like you know being a more like say reserved say conservative guy like just knowing you and your personality and then going to like a big market like philly and being the captain there like what, what what's it like you know having to deal with the pressure of not just playing hockey because you, you prove what you needed to on the ice the way you played the locker room yeah you know, the glue you have, um, you know, what's it like being a, say a more reserved guy, but having to deal with the media on a daily basis? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just the media. I think it was kind of everything around it. It was, it was tough. It, uh, I think when you, you're young, when I first got there, you know, you're kind of a young, arrogant kid and you kind of love the attention. You love being recognized, you know, you love talking to the media. You, you pretty much just love it all. You just want, you know, any of it, more of it, whenever. Right. And then after a few years, I think the, the glow of it all kind of wears off and, and it becomes more of a chore. And the media, I didn't find as bad. It was more going out to restaurants, being at, say, a bar um, and just being like looked at, you know, where, like right. you said, I'm kind of reserved. I'm kind of like quiet. I don't like talking in front of like big crowds, but always kind of having an eye on you. I think that's the thing that really kind of weighed on me is walking into a building and having people kind of looking at you or, or something like that. But I think that was the toughest to adjust to. And then the media, I think was fine. I mean, it got, annoying and area uh, aggravating a little bit on a daily basis, but you just kind of knew every single day that you had to, yeah, to yeah mentally prepared. You, it. so, yeah. you know, it's no different than practice. You just, you knew you were practicing. Right, that day right. You go to the rink, you know, you're going to talk. And I think as I got older, I got better at it too. Whereas I think when I was first started being captain, I think, I didn't treat them as well as I probably should have just to try to get them on my side a little bit more. Like Prongs was really good at that. Like Prongs right. would joke with them yeah. and have kind of spin his, like they would write pretty much what he would talk about. So right. he kind of like guided the narrative a little bit better. And I think my first few years as captains or my first one or two I kind of did a poor job of dealing with those relationships and obviously they would write whatever they were going to write to begin with. But once I saw kind of prongs deal with them a little bit better and then you kind of, you know, adapt to that and, and try to gain a little bit better relationships. And I think that helped me too. But those first couple of years, I think definitely could have been better. Yeah, well, I think it's like a it's a learning curve, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes you're not sure if they're on your side or or they're against you, and you know what I mean. It's kind of finding that balance of how to how to talk to them, how to how to work with them, um, because some well, of them like they're out to get you. Well, exactly, and that, and that's the th the thing is, if you 
think that they're out to get you, then there probably are because you're not going to treat them very well. So if right. there's an instance that you can take the narrative away from one thing, you can put it on another if you just know how to kind of talk about it. Um, like I said, which Prongs did re really, really well. Like he would joke with Panache every day by literally just like chirping him. Yeah. <laughs> He was dead serious. Yeah, no, it, but he loved it. But he did. He gave him it, attention, it, you know? Exactly. And, and in turn, he, and then when they would ask him questions, he would give them straight answers and they would write what he said instead of already having like a plan going in, like right. where I would give them absolutely nothing and just give them like crappy cliches. And then they would just write what they thought instead of kind of how you put it. So, there's a lot of things I probably could have done better, but it is what it is. You learn, you grow and yeah, exactly. you uh, kind of learn to deal with it a little bit better too. Just being in the spotlight every single day. It's not much of a chore. If, like I said, if you kind of plan to, to deal with it the way that you can turn that into a positive instead of always kind of being a burden. Right. Um, Rick Bone, I'm not sure if you, uh, I've watched a lot of hockey yet. <clears throat> I know usually you tune in more during the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, were you able, did you happen to see uh, Jake Voracek's interview? Yeah, I did. <laughs> were there any times you just wanted to say that? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I just love how you could tell he was trying to bottle it up, but he couldn't. <laughs> yeah. You know what he He's like, I wasn't, I'm not even going to answer the question. And then he started answering the question, yeah. but then I, like he had it too bottled up. He just couldn't. Yeah. He's like weasel. Yeah. Oh, He's, so he fun. is one person and it's pretty tough to bottle that man up. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. sometimes you just can't hold it in. And that was one of those cases. And then you probably should. Sometimes you, you just have to let it fly. So, um, yeah, it's, I saw that and I just started laughing because I definitely felt that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Probably <laughs> no outbursts like that. I probably did a <laughs> little bit better job holding it in, but oh, man. sometimes it's needed to be said. Yeah, right. Uh, Keep them accountable um, too. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's exactly what he was trying to do, I think. Exactly. I think he um, did. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Um, Richie, <clears throat> one of the... Uh, one of the things that I've always thought about and, and Riley and I've talked about it before um, we had that run to the Stanley cup, which I mean, for me personally, that was one of the best years I've ever had in hockey. We, we had the outdoor game in Boston. Unfortunately we lost that one in OT, but it's still what a, what an experience it was, man. I mean, Fenway it snowed a bit. It was, it was yeah. just so cool. Um, and then uh, the Olympics, which we, we didn't bring up yet where you won yeah. again, yeah. Uh, the gold medal um stripping this young fella here of a of a gold medal but no seriously it was, it was an awesome um that that two weeks was was crazy and yeah. i mean oh god i just had so much fun anyway and it was cool because i kind of i couldn't be with you a lot but we did see each other almost daily and i did get to share a little bit of it with you and and watching you win was was cool and, and prongs too um, even though I was heartbroken, don't worry about it, Rick Bone. <sighs> but uh, no, but seriously, what I was going to say was um, we go from that year, you know, then we lose in the finals. And like you said, we were kind of banged up, which I'm sure they were too. Yeah. We were missing Razor. Um, I thought Lates and, and Boosh did a hell of a job 
getting yeah. us there, you know, oh, yeah. one of another, but, but at the same time, like you said, uh, the late great Ray Ray, man, he was, he was something else, but uh, the next year is what I was going to get to. We've got a good team again. We go into the playoffs. We ended up winning uh, in seven against Buff. Well, Prongs was hurt the whole time and, and Buffalo, they played well, man. I mean, you know, and they had Miller, yeah. you know, like, it wasn't like they were a, a, an easy out, but uh, we found a way we were down. You guys were down three, two big, uh, I think Vila, you assisted Vila, I think, if I'm not mistaken, game six. And then we just pumped them at home. That place was going bananas. Um, we are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And um, the next round again, I'm not saying we would have beat Boston. A. They went on to win the cup. They had yeah. a really good team and they probably wanted to kill us from the year before. Yeah. We can get into that in a minute. But my point was, that team, even that year, the second year after the cup, like, I feel like dismantling that team, like, God, we were yeah. still young. Like you guys were still like, you know, mid twenties yeah. and looking back, if you just look at that team, it's like, Holy cow, man. Like that was yeah. a good, good hockey team and a close knit group. Yeah. Yeah. We, I always am so impressed with like, say when Pittsburgh repeated, few years ago it was 16 17 17 whatever yeah. 17 18 whatever it was um that next year is so tough after you go to the finals especially losing like oh, yeah. it took me like three four weeks just to like scrape myself off the couch because you know people think that like when you lose you have so much motivation to get in the gym and do you know that but when you put so much time and effort and your body is broken and I just remember waking up that next day and I was so sore so tired and you just have nothing you know like you go through that long of a I think I forget the exact number but between the NHL, the Olympics, and then going to the finals. I forget the exact number, but it was close to like a hundred hockey games that year. And then you have a short summer, then you, then you're literally right back at it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Boston was just raring to go because we came back on them, whatever, three, Oh, three, three love, whatever, however you say it and come back and win in that series. And then they swept us. But I just remember everybody was just by the end of that year, after we went to the finals, everyone was beat up, tired. Yeah. Like it, it's not easy. So um, to get back to your point about that young team, I remember being at a ball game with um, Peter, um, the president Peter Luco. Luco, sorry, Peter Luco. And we actually got into that conversation about how we had such a young group of great hockey players and great people. And um, if we can keep this team together is what we were saying. We could easily win in the next few years right. and we didn't win that year, but you know, I, I think sometimes when you want to win so much, you, you kind of like everything has to be right now. And so they traded Bobrovsky. That's right. And, you know, obviously not a, not a great <laughs> trade, but they needed goaltending. So, right. uh, and they thought that was the best chance of winning. So they brought Breeze in, but just like from, what was it? Conference finals 
think it was first or second round we lost and then finals i think that was a three-year stretch something like that anyways yeah. but mm-hmm. you could tell we were like just on the edge you know right. like you just kind of had to go through some bumps to get to where we wanted to go and then right as we started feeling those bumps the one year of Boston sweeping us and then it seemed like everything was just like yeah starting to kind of pull apart it, it was it was pretty disappointing to be honest with you it, it really was I think I you know even like uh, I was a pigeon I'm a, a kind of equipment guy but yeah. I just remember even the staff and us being like what's that the best pigeon in the league <laughs> nonetheless the pigeon but uh uh just you know thinking like dude we're gonna do this and then you know like next yeah. year or two like are you you really could feel it and then just yeah. the the devastation of uh, uh the mood everything that happened after that um yeah. like i kind of get it too though like mr snyder let's be honest was getting older at that point and he just wanted to win so bad right you know, where it just turned to, there was a few years of, you know, goaltending woes and, and to get back, like Lates and Boost did such an amazing job. But like Razor started the year as our number one goaltender. It, it is what it is. Yeah. But um, he just wanted a goaltender so bad that I, I'm assuming that Mr. Snyder said something to Homer about do yeah. anything you can to do it. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, it, the team looks a lot different th- than what it yeah. did. So um, I get it. I get the whole business side of it. But to say that I wasn't disappointed and a little bit hurt about being traded, that's uh, that'd be a lie. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I didn't take it real well. No, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, uh, yeah, not, I was not- shocked too. You know. Yeah. To, to move a guy like yourself too, it's just like you know meat and potatoes, and you know such a character guy. Just like to me, it just seems like an it's an odd move to try and win a championship. But uh, yeah, the whole way it went down too, <laughs> like the, the whole like how it went down of like from the end of the year about how like them saying they weren't going to trade Jeff, and then to get to the draft of like me and Cartsy talking and then like my agent calling me the night before the draft and being like hey I gotta talk to you and thinking the whole time that it was like he was gonna say that they're trading carts and then to him bring it up to me like it's actually you that's being like possibly traded and then like literally within like two hours of it actually happening and then you know, it just, I, I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way of how it happened too. of not even like getting a phone call of right. Like, right. You know, this is a, this may happen or, you know, to hear it like a literally like a 30 second phone call, not even, it was like a eight second phone call. Of, hey, we traded you to LA. And then, you know, mm. it just, it just, I don't know. It is what it is. Everything works out for happens for a reason and worked out, but it just left a bitter taste in my mouth at, at that point. Well, I'll tell you that you know this, Rick Bone, about me. I probably bugged this shit out of you because I'm always messaging you stuff. But even when you guys were going on those runs, man, like 
there wasn't anyone more excited than me. I think yeah. you know that. And, 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 yeah. and the other guys too, that were, you know, that were close with you. And it was, yeah. it was awesome to see that man, especially the very first year. And then that car, that car see, Jeff Carter might be the luckiest dude I know, man. <laughs> oh, <right. Yeah. laughs> Going to Columbus, man, this guy, he uh, didn't want any part a... of it. No, and it, uh, was, it was funny. Cause he, I, I forget exactly when he came out to LA, but it was like eight, nine games in that he that Columbus played in LA and we went for like a little walk down at the beach in Manhattan beach. And he just looked around. I just remember I'm like, how the fuck did I get in Columbus? And you came here. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. But next thing you know, yeah. you're going to be- I remember yeah. that trade with that. He, he actually, uh, Cartsy, had, uh, first thing he said was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Columbus. Yeah, yeah. No, but seriously, I remember him coming in very early in the season. We played Columbus, and, uh, you know, he came to the rink early, and we were, we were just shooting the shit. And um, obviously, he didn't have anything bad to say, but he was yeah, just, yeah. You know, we're not very good. You know, yeah. I might play. I don't know if I'm playing tonight. You know, he actually did have something wrong with his foot. Yeah. But uh, I remember, you know, a few weeks later, like he, we read Carter got traded to LA. I'm like, these two, fuck- you got to do something for me, boys. You could have came. You could have came. You knew it. Oh, man. But no, it was, it was, it, it just worked out for you too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, it was so much fun to see. And then, God, you end up winning another one. And, and uh, yeah, but I, I, I got a question for you, Richie. Uh, I remember you telling me the story. I don't know if you said it was your first week, your first day or whatever, but you're obviously right there on the beach and you see these guys surfing. Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm going to get a surfboard. Yeah. I'll let yeah, you take, so, it, take it over from there. Well, I did. So I ended up, <laughs> I was like a block from the beach. But like the reason... Like I struggled for their, like the first like little bit in LA, but it was so nice every single day there. Like I, I was surfing, I was golfing, I was, you know, like hockey it would be like a sidebar of like, I gotta go to the rink in the morning, <laughs> like, like surfing in the afternoon. So yeah, when I got there, I was just sitting there and a bunch of people would run by my house with their surfboards and the wetsuits. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to get one. Yeah, so well. I got one and I had the old wetsuit and I would run down there after practice and <laughs> he surfed for a few hours. And usually I wasn't very good. So I'd literally just like sit out on the board and on the ocean and relax there for a bit and walk up. And I, that was that. I was telling Riley, I, I thought, I, I thought I remember you saying that one of the first days you went out there, you, you tried to jump, get on, catch a wave oh, yeah. and you went down and you're like, you know, when you get hit like that, you don't know which way is up or down. Oh, yeah. You said to me, all I could picture in my mind was the, art, the article, the headline the next day, <laughs> King's New Forward is done. Yeah. Especially depending on, yeah, where the tide is. If it's a high tide or whatever, I don't know if that's correct, but when it starts getting up on the beach, you're starting to ride and yeah, you get under there and you're, you're like right into the bottom and yeah, it takes you a few seconds to kind of gauge where you are and you come out and I was just looking around. Like, <laughs> <"What>? 
I remember, I remember you telling me that story and I was like, well, what'd you do? Just go do it again. You go, no, I just sat on the board for about an hour yeah. and a half and watched. That's about that. <laughs> yeah. That always me. I, I mean, thank, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. Okay. But I always yeah. thought that was a funny, I've told a few people that I just thought it was really funny yeah. um, getting out there. Um, so you, you went a couple of cups there. We, we know that, um, some of the guys that I just wanted to bring up because um, I actually been fortunate enough to get to know them through USA hockey, but um, greener yeah. and uh, quickie uh, D'Lo Brown, Dustin Brown, those guys yeah. playing with them. How was that? Yeah. yeah. We had a very similar team as we did in Philly with a bunch of like younger guys, like really good group of guys, like greener Stoli, um, just everybody actually it was kind of the same. Like it was almost like eerie a little bit, how you just go from one team to the, the other and everybody's relatively the same age doing the exact same thing in a different city. And um, yeah, it was a riot. We had a, we had a good team, really good team um, and just a good group of guys. And I mean, you're hanging out on the beach, so no complaints there either. What a league. Yeah. What a league. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Richie, but, uh, oh, I was going to ask you, Richie, like you go to, you go to LA and um, you, you talked about it earlier about, um, you know, being noticed in public and stuff like that. Obviously in LA, there's, you know, like le legitimate, like Hollywood A-listers. And, and I remember yeah. seeing um, something on as a 30, 30 for 30 SBN where, you you were you were you were filming and following you around and you went to an event and the, the lady at the front desk yeah. had no idea who you were you know but yeah like the mind just, just just talk about like the mindset like were you able to kind of just lay in the weeds and just be you and just play and perform yeah without that like, extra weird pressure that's you know that's that was that was like prevalent in philly yeah yeah exactly you when you were away from the rink, you, you felt like you could be away from the rink, you know, like you didn't have to like carry it around with you all day, which I mean, it, it gets exhausting every time you like leave, you kind of have to not be on, but you know what I mean? Like you could, you're going to be recognized. People are going to see you where LA, like you, unless it was playoffs and like we were doing well and we had like the big playoff beards, like nobody would recognize you. And if they did, nobody really cared. They would be encouraging um, towards you. So yeah, I guess that'd be the, the biggest difference is when you left the rink, you can just go, you pretty much just leave the rink, you know, you leave everything at the rink. You obviously think about stuff, but it's not always there. Whereas, you know, in Philly, whether it's good or bad, you know, you go down the road, you go to restaurants, you go to the bar, um, people are going to notice you. And, you know, that could be a good thing. And, you know, sometimes it could be a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I deal with it all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. I don't know if you've, you know, just Warriors. a couple, a couple of men's league championships yeah. here in the last couple of years and stuff like that. I mean, it does get annoying. You do have yeah. to be on though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want <laughs> I don't want it to seem like <laughs> complaining about like that, you know, like it's not a terrible thing. It's just one of those things where it, it is an adjustment. Well, I, 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 I couldn't imagine. I'm totally kidding. Yeah. I, no, I know you are. I, know I, you are I, I, I feel for you guys in that situation because 
you know, most of the time you do run into some assholes, obviously you just want to be yeah. jerks, but most of the time it's literally people just so excited. Oh my God. You know, That's, but still you're trying to eat dinner. Yeah. You people, you know, the funniest, it, maybe not interaction, but like everybody in Philly was always so awesome. And, it, you know, like you said, there'd be a handful of guys, which there's a handful of guys for everything that are yeah. always a little bit of jerks, but we were, it was during the playoffs. We were at Budokan eating dinner the night before a game. And I remember this guy like getting, literally getting mad at me that I was out eating, that I wasn't at home getting ready for the game. <laughs> and I was like, I got to eat. Like, <laughs> Hey, listen, Richie, he wanted it more than you. Yeah, yeah he did. I'll, he ne- did. I'll never forget JV, JVR uh, did something at the uh, Philadelphia Union um, way back. I mean, it, might, it was probably his rookie year, but he had to, he did an appearance there, and Jimmy Rollins was with him. Oh, yeah. So they were sitting there talking, and you know JVR was obviously a young kid. Yeah. J Roll was J Roll, yeah. and. Uh, they got to talking about the fans and, and he was like, yeah, it's great here. He goes, the only problem is there's some that think yeah. they actually want to win more than you do yeah. as the oh, athlete. Yeah. And that's what drives you nuts when they're like that. And it, yeah. you know, it's it, like it's, the one percentile. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. You I mean, the 99% is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's maybe a picture, which is the easiest thing in the world to do, yeah. but it's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. That 1%. Feels yeah. like they want to win more than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys yeah. are out there putting your balls on the line, doing every, everything yeah. you can, you know. And you, yeah. you should be eating a home cooked meal, Mike. Yeah, you should be at home game. resting, getting ready <laughs> yeah. for the game. Like, okay. But he was like, no joke. He was actually mad that I was there. <laughs> but oh, oh well, man. it was all good. I had a good time. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention also uh, you, you uh, being uh, nominated for the Selkie in 2008, 2009. Um, lost to Datsuk, not a bad player. That's pretty good. I'll never forget Richie. Actually, us three we were together. We were in Vegas because I went and old yeah. TimmyParr.com. Here he comes again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Great stories about Timmy that trip, but I can't tell him. Uh, yeah. The PG. Uh, show but uh no and in, in all seriousness i'll never forget like i had obviously seen pavel datsu play i mean yeah. you just you watch you seem to just watch him when 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 you guys were playing against him but as far as looking like an athlete i remember him walking by me and yeah. he was dressed like my grandpa would have dressed yeah. like, yeah, these straight, like shorts on a button-up short sleeve shirt and he yeah. loafers with little socks and yeah. i'm like bro you can't you can't wear socks. <laughs> and I remember walking by and I don't know who was with me, but I'm like, Oh my God. If you saw him and you didn't know hockey. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, what is wrong with that guy? Like, <laughs> meanwhile, he is literally the only guy that like 90% of the league would turn a game on the watch is if he's playing right. it. Yes. <laughs> like exactly. if, if there was a, like say a Detroit game on in a dressing room and it went to a shootout, you would have 25 <laughs> guys standing in front of the TV to, just to watch him shoot. Yes. Like exactly. he had that power. And he, I remember we were playing, we played in Detroit when I was with LA and he turned, 
I forget exactly the move, but he, he did it on Dowdy, like on Dewey. And not many people do that. And oh, I just remember nice. there was at least six or seven of us on the bench that just went at the exact same time. Oh my God. <laughs> and he, yeah. he scored. It was like inside, outside, he shelved it. And we all just sat like not even looking at each other. It was just like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, and, and you're right, uh, Dowdy. There aren't many people walking that no, way, man. No. He's a hell of a player, man. No, that he he just like if he was on TV and I was scrolling through while I played, I didn't really watch any hockey. But if he was on, I would I would turn it. Yeah, watch him play. I uh, and going back to the Olympics for a second. Um, I think is that where you met Dewey Dowdy. Yeah, you guys. I remember you guys kind of hanging with each other a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's where I met him. I I met him at the summer camp. Oh, okay. For the Olympics, but yeah, yeah, that was that was a riot there. Yeah, so I had a I had a few nights where I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I may have, I may not remember exactly what I was doing. I didn't get arrested, so that's always a good thing. Um, yeah. But uh, I'll never forget you guys beat us, beat USA. I, like I wasn't playing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, what a game. Uh, Zach Parise ties it. I mean, yeah. I went from the highest I've ever been. Then oh, Sid's yeah. got a bury one, of course, the golden goal. But uh, I remember after the game, you know, going saying hey to you, giving you a hug and everything. And you were like, hey, like I'll message you if you want to come. I'm like, well, I got to go with my yeah, team. Yeah. Those guys are just <laughs> lost, you know. But uh, we actually, medalist, you know, here. <laughs> you talk about like it, it was about. I mean, those guys were, they were guys crying. I mean, obviously devastated. Yeah. I mean, that, that was probably the closest since the 80. Well, definitely had to be the closest since 80 of USA hockey. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, and we had beat you guys in the regular uh, round there, whatever you want to call it, the round robin. We had won. And I just remember being on the bench. And, and Richie, I know you've been there as a player, Riley, you too, but you guys were up. And, it, but the guys kept just, go, we're going to get one. We're going to, and we, we, we yeah. got one. And I've got a great picture of me. I'm like jumped up, of course, because oh, you know yeah, how yeah. like low key I am. Yeah. Um, I'm jumped up and and uh Quickie had jumped up too. And he was the th- he wasn't dressed, but he was standing behind me at the sticks and he landed on me. And he's not a small man. No. He landed on me at one point and I kind of fell, and all the boys are jumping up and down, and I got my hands on the ground and I'm I'm trying to hold my hands, but I'm like, I just want to watch, see what's yeah. going on. But anyway, uh, after the game, we, you and I talked for a couple minutes, and obviously you're going to have some fun with the boys. And speaking of Chris Pronger, Prongs comes over to me in the hallway. Now, he had his whole family there, so you know he's going yeah. right to his room. Uh, we had a 7 a.m. flight, yeah. uh, Mr. Snyder's jet. Uh, chemo was going to be on it, and uh, you yeah. and Prongs and myself, I don't know if I'm missing anyone. Um, I think Oscar Spartulis had left because he was there. Um, Anyway, point of my story was prongs comes and grabs me and I'm still kind of down a little bit. And I'm like, he's like, Hey fool. Cause that's what, you know, that's what he always called me. I'm like, what's up, man. (laughs) I'm like, what's up beast. He goes, listen, I want to make you make sure you and Richie are on that plane, you know, on time. And I'm like, all right. Like, (laughs) really you just want to go far you just want to go metal bro like you yeah. know like, kind of like laughing he was like no i'm serious because i know all you guys are going out and you should you gotta enjoy it i got the family here i gotta go i'm like all right beast gotcha 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 so it's you know it's like two in the morning and he's texting me make sure you and rick bone you know you and richie are there i ain't worried about chemo because chemo had his parents yeah, and yeah. his family sorry and yeah. so like like all right so 
I get back to the hotel, I get my stuff together. So I had been keeping in touch with Richie all, you know, about every hour. So it's getting to be about five 30. Now I'm getting a little nervous. Like phone. So I, so I'm texting no answer. So I called your phone probably five times now. And it's like, we needed to leave around six at the airport. Right. So Riggs, you'll enjoy this last part, but it's like quarter to six, six, seven phone calls. Finally he answers and there's like five minutes to six. And he answers like this. Hey bro, what's up? <laughs> I'm like, dude, where are you? I'm like, Prongs has called me 10 times. We're supposed to be for an hour. You, where are you? And he's like, hey, uh, where are we? And I said, give, give that person a phone. So he hands the phone over and, and I'm like, hey, listen, this is life or death. Because we had asked Mr. Yeah, Homer oh, yeah. to, to back the flight up because yeah. we were flying to Tampa. I mean, it would only make sense. Like, my God, you play in the, the gold medal game. But anyway, yeah. anyway, Prongs is, he's calling me, yelling at me. I feel like my dad's on the phone with me, yelling at me. And so Richie gets back. I said, 911, get this man in a cab. I got to meet him. He gets back. He's, I'm like, did you pack? Ah, no, not, not yet. And then I'm like, where's your gold medal? My mom's got it. Okay. All right. So anyway, the, the funny part is, Riles, uh, of course I was shitting my pants cause I did not want us to be late. Uh, one, cause of the beast, you know, yeah, like right. Bronx, but uh, Homer too. Homer was adamant about us not being late. So uh, we get to the plane. We actually Kimo waited on us and let us jump in his big van. Yeah. We get there. No prongs. No way. <laughs> so we're dying. It's like 10 after seven. And uh, we're just like me and Rick Bone are kind of laughing and, and chemo, you know, like oh yeah, 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 like, yeah. He's so he's so funny. He kept kept making little comments. So finally, Beast comes flying up in his limo or whatever. He's got the two, he's got the boys with him, his, his wife, and and they get on the plane and they're jumping around thing. And me and Richie just want to go to bed. Richie's got yeah. the he's got the old eye car, whatever he call those things. But Prongs gets on, and I'm like. Yo, Beast, what's up, man? We've been here like 45 minutes. He's like, this guy got fucking lost. He's losing it. If that would have been us, dude, they would have taken oh, off. No. He would have taken off. He would have yeah. left. For we sure he would have left. Richie, you better get the get on the horn, get us a private yeah. PJ going here. But I thought that was so funny because yeah. uh, Prongs ended up being late instead of us. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Well, uh, hey, Richie, uh, I just want to wrap up before uh, – we'll- touch this before we wrap up but you're lining up in washington uh you know in i think 2016 talk about you know that experience there in the playoffs and then and then touch on playing with Ovi because i'm always uh you know fascinated with this guy and, and what it was like to, to see this guy for his time yeah yeah um it was either washington or san jose before i ended up joining washington so getting a chance to play with Ovi, like how could you not take that opportunity? So right. obviously picked Washington and right when I got there, everybody on the team was awesome. Um, and then soon after joining, I realized how good Backstrom was like, oh, obviously like playing against him all the time. And for years I, I knew you know, he knew he's a superstar, but then just seeing him every single day, 
like you know how big of a superstar like if he had like a bigger personality you know he's a quiet guy he's right. a lot similar to me actually where it's just kind of goes to the work goes does his thing at the at the rink and then goes home but um you know he he is just so good of a passer and everything is just flat like i could literally sit for an hour and just watch him sauce pucks but him and Ovi at the end of practice sometimes would like half wall and then Ovi's spot and it would feed him just to practice on the one times for the power play. And every single time it would be Backstrom would just sauce it, you know, two, three feet in the air. It would land absolutely flat and Ovi would just bar down, <laughs> bar down, bar down. And literally every single time it was either bar down or literally like, I don't know, a foot by a foot in. And yeah. it was just clockwork. And that his shot, like I've seen that line they shoot when I went to Winnipeg and watch, and that's a bomb. But like, I mean, I'm not telling it or breaking any news here that OB can <laughs> shoot the puck, but just like you don't, in a game, you don't really see him like lean into one, you know, like it's always so quick and it's always a one-timer, but when he actually like puts his weight into a shot, it is at least probably 10 to 15, like a snapshot, 10 to 15 miles per hour harder than my slap shot. And it just like, to be a goalie would just be exhausting in practice. But You're uh, on Backstrom, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, because you did get to play with him. I've seen him play a lot, and one of the things I like about he's he's sick. He's such so a sick sick. player, but he yeah. he's got a he's got a nasty little edge to him too. Like yeah. he he's not soft, you know. No, he is not. Like he is and, not soft, man. And when I played, when I was with Philly, he was only in the league I think for a few years when I was with Philly. So I didn't like we didn't really have that much of a rivalry after. I think the one year we played them in playoffs, but you always kind of think like quieter guys, not big. So you could always get it kind of under his skin. And then when you play with him, you see all the cheap shots he gives people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's, he was my favorite, like to watch and to be around. And he just, the way he carried himself, he was always so professional um, loved to have a good time. It was it was just an unbelievable teammate and an even better hockey player. Right. And it'd be interesting to see like how one would do without the other one, you know, because yeah. like Backy's passing to Ovi and then you know Ovi getting so many goals if it's Backstrom, you know, like they're just they're so perfect together. Yeah. Um I don't know. They're just both incredible. And Backstreet oh. just impressed me so much when I was there. Hall and Oates. Yeah. Back in the day. Huh? Back in the day. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And that's exactly. seriously like, you know, when, uh, and we had a great team, like we, like Pittsburgh beat us that year. And I believe they went on to win the cup that year, but uh, that was 16, right? 2016? Yeah, 16. Yeah, I think that right. was the first one of the yep. back-to-backs. Yep. Um, but we, I, I believe if we would have won, we had a like a two-minute five-on-three in pit, 
and then they got another penalty. So I don't know exactly how it worked at this point, but we had like a long time five on three and we didn't score on that and that we brought it to overtime or we did score. We went to overtime and then we lost in overtime. But I believe if we would have won that game, we would have won the series. And I'm pretty sure we would have won the cup. Like that team was so sad. Yeah, you guys were good, man. Yeah. But kind of smacked us around a little bit. Yeah. Um, when, we, when we were, I mean, you guys were better than the, the flyers that year, but I remember uh, uh, Steve Mason started that series. He had a, he had a, he had a tough go and then they, they, Newby, uh, Michael Neuverth came in and he actually stoned you guys a couple games. Yeah. I thought I was like, maybe they're scratching your head a little bit here, but uh, you ended up winning game six in Philly and Backstrom scored. I think you won one, nothing if I'm not mistaken uh, to win that series. But yeah, of course, as soon as we lost to you guys, I was hoping you were going to put that third Stanley cup ring on your finger, but uh, yeah, we just had such a sick team like that. Johansson who I never really like. Oh yeah. That's right. Too much before just cause playing on different conferences, you don't see them or you don't really pay attention to who's on the team when you play some guys, but he was just a really good player. Chimera, uh, Williams, like guys that you, skate. yeah. You know, like guys actually funny story about, me and Chimera, when we played you guys in Philly, we didn't really play that much, but we were on the fourth line together. And when we were in Philly, Trots would always line match. So we'd always kind of get skipped sometimes if, oh, we stayed out too long or, you know, just the yeah. random occurrence of the bench. So me and Chimera, I think we had one shift at the very beginning of the period and there was like four minutes left in the four minutes left in the period. So we haven't played for like 30 minutes real time, um, maybe even more. And we're both just like stewing on the bench and Trotz comes up between me and Chimera. He sticks his head in between our shoulders. <laughs> He's like, you guys are going really well. Just keep going. We both looked at him at the exact same time. <laughs> How the fuck do you know? We're going to walk the ice in 35 minutes. What the hell are you doing? And... <laughs> we both just like looked at each other and just bursted out laughing and I, still one of the funniest like on bench yeah. moments I think I've ever had like at the exact same time bursting <laughs> out trots and trots just backed away like do 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 did you squeeze it for free or what did yeah needless to say we got back out there yeah we had a good team though it was fun yeah that's awesome. Um, Richie, I do want to, I want to bring up this quick story. I don't know if you remember, but <clears throat> Richie was talking about earlier about uh, Mr. Snyder used to give him tickets for basketball and stuff. So Richie, Richie took me the one night, actually Riles, you may have gone down the first half and then I got to go to the second half. It was a playoff game or maybe it was me and you and I, Richie, the whole time it was against Orlando. And uh, I mean, you put me on the court. Like I was, you know, I don't care who was playing. I was just so excited and thankful to be there. But uh, the uh, Orlando Magic, they won the series that night. I think it was game five or six. And uh, they had this player. His nickname was Skip to Malou because he was in <laughs> end one. His name was Rafer Austin. So I'm telling Rick, I'm telling Richie, I'm like, dude, that's, that's Ray Frost. That's Skip the Malou. And he's like, what? Skip the Malou? What? And I'm like, Skip the Malou, man. This, this guy's sick. I'm like, you don't understand. So it's like literally fourth quarter, two and a half minutes ago, they're up 15 points. 
So we're sitting there and I'm like, you know, Rich, he's, he's reserve guy. He's just sitting there. And I'm like, Skip, what's up, man? And Richie like kind of hits me like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, and he goes, what's up, man? Gives me a high five, you know, and, I, and uh, he's getting ready to inbound the ball. I said, come on, Skip, give me a little something. I'm like shaking like I want him to, you know, make a couple moves with the ball because he was sick ball handler, right? Yeah. And uh, he played Toronto, Rick Bone. He, he played it. He had a stint there. He played for a lot of teams. But anyway, Richie's like, man, don't bug him. He's playing. I'm like, they're up 15. There's two minutes to go. And, he, and, and Ray for Austin turns around to me and he goes, man, I got to secure the win. I, I can't be messing around. I'm like, come on, skip, do something, right? <laughs> so he, he, they inbound the ball, nothing happens. End up with another inbound right beside us again. I said, come on, skip, give me something. There's 30 seconds to go. So he inbounds the ball, gets it back, and he gave a quick little through his legs like three times. And Richie, like, he goes, oh, shit. Me. And I'm, everyone else in there is pissed off because the Sixers lost. And I'm like, Standing up, oh, scoop. <laughs> and Richie is probably like, Nast, I'm never bringing you anywhere again. <laughs> the last uh, game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I probably might be one of the last ones I got to go to. <laughs> but I wanted to tell that because he always made me laugh because Richie goes, but what are you doing, man? Don't, don't bother him. <laughs> it's the same story I tell about you meeting Ron Artest. Is it Ron Artest? Oh, yeah. Like, that was oh, Ron life. Artest. And you're like, yeah, man. Or, yeah, that's me. Yeah. He goes, I was, uh, we had gone into LA and we always had to practice at the Toyota Center. Yeah. And uh, so afterwards, we take the gear, we had to hang it in the King's room to dry, and then we had to move it in the morning. So I'm just in there by myself. All of a sudden, the door swings open. I guess it came from your bathroom lounge area. Or, yeah, that, that way from behind where the TV was. Anyway, I, I look up as I'm unpacking bags and it's Ron Artest is standing there. Metal world peace. But he was Ron Artest at that time. And I said, Oh shit, Ron Artest. He goes, Hey man, that's me, Ron Artest. <laughs> I started dying laughing. I'm like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It was so funny. Yeah. And then he, he stood there talking to me for like 10 minutes. It was yeah. unbelievable. That kills me every time. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Yeah, man, it's me, Ron Artest. He said his name. Yeah. Uh, Classic. Well, Richie, we appreciate your time, man. This has been a blast. Probably uh, a little longer than uh, you'd carved out time for, but we really, really do appreciate uh, well, talking with you, seeing you again, and, and just sharing some of these stories. It's been awesome. Yeah, all good, boys. Anytime. Big fan. This, this, uh, I had to say this, too. This is, this is not a Joey Mullen bobblehead. <laughs> this is LV's favorite bobblehead, but I got to tell you a funny story. So a few years ago, he was he was so confused because it says Rangers. He's like, Daddy, when did Rick Bone play for the Rangers? I'm like, no, no, it's a junior team. It's not the New York Rangers. Yeah, but he's got a Rangers uniform on. I'm like, buddy, it's junior. And nothing's wrong with his neck. We just kept that protected. I think you actually shipped it to me like that. So it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Elvie's favorite. Yeah. That's Elvie's favorite. Joy but Paul. seriously, seriously, Richie, we can't thank you enough, man. Like, obviously you know you're a good buddy and and uh my favorite players ever so we really do appreciate you and also you're uh you're married over the past year your beautiful yeah. wife i appreciate the she wore my swag i haven't posted it yet i haven't yeah. posted it yet but <laughs> she is i had all you guys wearing it but i gotta say she made that stuff look way better than you <laughs> yeah. and all the other guys did but i do appreciate it man yeah no problem like kevin Connolly sells a Oh, kicked my coverage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all right, man. Oh, good. All right.
All right. That interview was brought to you by Settlemeyer Skate Sharpening. For all your hockey needs and the best skate sharpening in town, visit SettlemeyerSkateSharpening.com. And Body Check Wellness, for all your CBD and medicinal mushroom needs, visit BodyCheckWellness.com. want to say a huge thanks to Mike Richards for joining us for this uh, marathon of a podcast. Uh, it was awesome. <laughs> really great stories. Always good to see Richie again and seeing him smiling and having a good time. So uh, it was really an awesome, awesome uh, opportunity to, to talk with Richie. It was. I, I felt like we could have just kept going too. There's a few things that we, we wanted to bring up and, and uh, we just, I almost forgot what we were doing here. We just, it was just fun catching up and, and uh, talking, but uh, you're right. A bit of a marathon, but well, what a great listen, man. It was, it was awesome. To, like you said, seeing him happy and smiling and man, he, he's, he's done it all. Like we said in the, in the episode there, he, he's a, he's a winner. That's for sure. Yeah, that's the truth. And I always think of Richie as like an ultimate leader, you know, like he's just like, he just, I just look back on my career and, you know, just watching Richie and how much he poured into it. And, you know, and, and the fact that he's won at every level, it's not by accident, you know what I mean? There's something no. special about him and, um, you know, he's just, uh, one of those guys that just, uh, you know, he just like almost defines hockey, you know, in his era. I just think of like, you know, I almost call him the modern day Bobby Clark when he played, right? And he kind of did it all. And, he, you know, he just yeah. uh, worked his bag off uh, on the ice and, and gave it all. So, you know, I'd love to hear stories about, uh, you know, his, his thinking and his mindset and, and the storyline, too. There's a lot of stuff I actually learned today that I didn't know about, it, especially his early, you know, his early uh, hockey career in, in Kenora and, and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. how he landed up in the OHL, but, uh, certainly, uh, you know, when you think of a, a true overall well-rounded character hockey player, you think of Mike Richards. Uh, 100%. He, I mean, it, it, like you said, I think you, you, you said to him, like, he's a captain. Like he, he, it was, he, it's just in him. Like there's no way you don't name that guy your captain when he's on your team. Um, you know, obviously a little different when he got a little older and went into it, uh, to other teams that had captains, but I think that was a great choice when he was here. Um, and you know, he, he's also, he's the only player that played in a series where he was down zero to three and came back and won. He did it with us in Philly. And then he did it in LA. Right. Uh, would be involved in that, but he didn't play against Boston because he was hurt. Ah, that's when right. we played, people forget he was out with a broken foot. Um, but yeah, like, Richie just, I mean, he's a hockey player. That's, that's the bottom line. And he was just an awesome guy too, which makes it even better. And, um, it was awesome talking to him and hearing some of the things I didn't know as you know, either, uh, it was kind of neat to hear. So yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's nice to see him doing well in life and just enjoying life. You know, you talked about the pressures of, you know, obviously playing at a high level, but the pressures of being a captain in a, in a big market and, and the whole bit, but, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's living the life, you know, it's, he's enjoying life the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, I love to see him smiling and laughing like that. So it makes me, uh, you know, it makes me feel good because, you know, it, the, the way, the way it kind of ended for him, you know, wasn't exactly the way most people would anticipate it, but nonetheless, uh, um, life is a grind and the game is a grind. You play yeah. that hard, man. It's a grind, you know, it's a grind. Yeah. So it's nice to see a smile on his face. I'm doing well enjoying what he loves to do fishing and, you know, and spending yeah. time with his wife. So, I mean, 
man. What yeah, a it's great, career. man. Oh, it's, it, it is. It's nice to see him. You can tell he's happy, yeah. you know, that, and that's, that's awesome. He's, he's just such a good dude. He deserves it. He was great to all of us and how good he was to me and personally and still is, you know, and things happened with me about a year ago. Now he was, he may have been the first person that called me right away and, you know, you know, was looking to help me any way he could, you know, so he's just, I love the guy and he's, uh, he's awesome, man. It was, it was great having him on. We got to have him on again because we forgot a few things, Yeah, I know. which <laughs> I, I mean, there's so many things involved with his career, so many good things, but uh, we'll, we'll get him in the studio for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we definitely missed a few things. Uh, obviously, some of our conversation branched off into things we hadn't planned, which is always a great thing. But uh, you know, he's already offered to come back on. Would love to have him back on. I think next time we get him in the studio, get him at uh, get him at your pad there. So, uh, yeah. No, just uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. You know, again reconnecting with Richie. I haven't talked to him for a little while, um, but you know, again revisiting some of that storyline. You know, his time in Philly. Just uh, you know, the smile of his face. You know, especially when he tells stories. Um, that was awesome. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up episode eight of nasty knuckles tune in next week we'll have an amazing guest once again appreciate you all have a great week knuckleheads have a great week knuckleheads see you guys see you rigs see you buddy when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.